Hello and welcome back to the Going Dutch podcast. A look at the wonderful world of German football brought to you by the Sports Blitz. And I'm retiring. Goodbye. No, I'm not. But <laughs> Jesus, that PK announcement did come a bit out of the blue. I know it's not a, a German football reference, but it's a reference I wanted to bring up. His last game at the Camp Nou was this weekend, and there are a range of opinions about why he's retired and whether it was a good thing that he's retired and whether Barcelona are good or bad as a result of this. And of course, we will not be going into that because this is a German football podcast and not a Spanish football podcast. I will say one thing, which is that I don't want to imply that PK has retired and forgone tens of millions of euros of payment just to gain the good books of Barcelona fans so he can run for the presidency, but it is entirely that, like just entirely that. So how did we enjoy this weekend's football? Because to be honest, there was some good stuff in the Bundesliga and the Svita, which we'll be getting on to later, and that Conor Wickham goal in the FA Cup where he scored from like nearly within his own half for Forest Green Rovers, but apart from that, like, this weekend of football was genuinely terrible, it was absolutely dreadful, I cannot think of a single game, a single game in world football, where I am happy about the result, a few where I'm, like, interested, where I find the results interesting, but actually happy? Nah, I was sat there on Saturday afternoon going, why do I watch football again? I don't get it. I don't get why I put myself through this. And of course, it's good that I do this in some sense because I can bring this podcast to you as a result. And I do really enjoy doing this podcast. But sometimes it just doesn't feel worth it. And Saturday was a good example. To be honest, the Sunday football, whilst interesting, didn't bring me the results I wanted. So that was less great. One thing that was really good was the number of Qatar boycott banners that we saw in Germany this week. You might know that earlier on in the week, FIFA released a statement saying that they didn't want the World Cup to be all about politics and ideology. They said, let's not get dragged into every political and ideological battle that there is. Unfortunately for FIFA, they chose Qatar as the World Cup host they made their bed, and now they have to go lie in it. This is entirely the fault of FIFA, and whilst obviously a full-blown boycott from the other PNFAs would have been a lot better, something is better than nothing, and of course, the main aim of this World Cup from a Qatari perspective was to sports wash the country's image, make them look a lot better. It is at the moment the case that a lot of the problems that that country has, that are entirely self-inflicted by the government, are coming to the fore and being exposed in a light that they wouldn't have done if Qatar hadn't won the rights to the World Cup, or sorry, should I say, brought the rights to the World Cup back in... God, when, when was the World Cup selected for there? Was it 10 years ago now? Honestly, can't remember off the top of my head. Of course, FIFA's statements were bad, what was worse was the statements from the Qatari foreign minister, in which he essentially accused all of Europe of racism. Now, you do not get to play the race card when you are making a large majority of your citizens second class on the basis of their faith, of their sexuality, of their gender, of a whole host of factors. When you discriminate against the LGBTQ community like they do, against the migrant community like they do, against women like they do, then you do not get to pull out the race card. Just 
No, not possible. The, the hypocrisy of the Qatari regime is absolutely fascinating. And it is why no one should be watching this World Cup. Now, I accept that a lot of people are going to watch this World Cup. But it is nice to see the number of people who will be boycotting the World Cup. Just like myself. If you are boycotting the World Cup, I do have a lot of respect for you. The protests in Germany were particularly strong this weekend, as mentioned. The Borussia Dortmund banners, more deaths than minutes played, turn off Qatar, human dignity shall be inviolable, which is the first article of the German constitution, by the way. That's why they mentioned that. Bayern Munich as well had quite a few really good banners. The main one, 15,000 dead for 5,760 minutes of football. Shame on you. And yes, yeah, shame on FIFA. Shame on Qatar as well. And it's nice to see so many German clubs, not just Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund, calling out the absolute farce that is the Qatar World Cup. Anyway... A few things to go into before we actually crack on with this podcast, which is already sort of up against it because, of course, we have fixtures on Tuesday and Wednesday, which I will be discussing in an article on the Sports Blitz website. But before we go into the rest of the show, by the way, didn't do the standard intro, so we'll just do that now. Welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash the sports blitz if you want to find out where you can play this podcast. You can also play it there, or you can keep doing what you're doing because you're currently playing a podcast at the moment. You are the Bayern Munich in Europe of playing podcasts. So before we go into the rest of the show, I thought we'd have a brief look at what's happened in European competition. This was also meant to be an article on the Sports Blitz website, but then I I forgot, so good for me. So let's start off in the Champions League, and let's start off with Bayer Leverkusen, who of course had a bad start to the season in Germany, and to be honest, replicated that in Europe. I believe when the draw for the Champions League was made, I commented on Group B by saying, well, obviously Bayer Leverkusen and Atletico Madrid are the two favourites and they should be progressing from the group, though Porto could pose a challenge. Yeah, they finished third and fourth. So, great. And this is why this format, the Champions League, is really good because the underdogs can prevail and only a moron would place it with a system that, you know, tried to guarantee that the biggest eight clubs would get through. But what sort of Super League supporting moron would do that? <laughs> oh, the Champions League is ruined. Anyway, so Porto and Club Bruges went through in Group B. Bayer Leverkusen lost both of their games against Porto, only picked up a point against Club Brugge, which might be the most surprising aspect of their group stage. And of course, they beat Atletico Madrid at home and then had that really fascinating game we mentioned on last week's Going Deutsch, when they had, you know, the late penalty drama for Atletico Madrid, but could have knocked them out of Europe entirely if... Atletico Madrid have been able to score that penalty. So it was a big disappointment for Bayer Leverkusen. But with Xabi Alonso, with the performances turning around, as we will mention later on, they do actually have a chance in the Europa League to do something, which maybe they wouldn't have had if they'd remained in the Champions League. So, you know, each cloud and all that. Let's talk about a side who found the Champions League process a tad bit easier. Let's go to Group C and talk about Bayern Munich. And... On the surface, going into the group stages, Bayern Munich had the hardest challenge because they had been drawn into the so-called group of death. 
They were playing Inter Milan, the runners-up in Serie A last season, and Barcelona, the runners-up in La Liga last season, and Victoria Plaza, but let's face it, that, that didn't matter. And it was going to be a big challenge between those three to see who would be able to progress and who would be the odd one out going into the Europa League. Now, for me and for most people, Bayern Munich were probably still the favourites for the group because... Well, Inter and Barcelona runners-up in their leagues. Bayern Munich won the league last year, of course, like they have for the last million, billion years now. But also, you know, they just seemed like the better side out of the three. Now, even if you took that approach, and even if you're the most hardened Mia Sam Mia optimist for Bayern Munich, I'm sure you didn't see 18 points, 6 wins from 6, only 2 goals conceded against those really good attacks, and an easy passage through to the knockout stages because Bayern Munich, well, so far in the Champions League, based off performances of the group stages, are easily the best side in the tournament. And this was coming whilst they were struggling in the Bundesliga as well. So it's it's not to really do with like the form that the team are in so much as it was just their overall quality against their opponents. Obviously, I don't need to tell you that they did the double over all sides in the group, but they had two really impressive performances against Inter Milan. Of course, the key ones came against Barcelona, who they've really had a number of. They won 2-0 at the Allianz, 3-0 at Camp Nou. And I can't remember the stat fully off the top of my head, but like in the Barca-Bayern head-to-heads, they've scored like all 17 of the last 17 goals when they've met up, which is absolutely absurd, considering how good Barcelona are meant to be. That shouldn't really be possible for any side in the world, and yet Bayern Munich have been that good against them, that, you know, Barcelona just seem like this really small Farmers League club <laughs> in, in comparison. I don't like using the term Farmers League, but, you know, it, it feels apt in this situation, even if La Liga is absolutely fantastic so yeah obviously a lot to be optimistic for when it comes to Bayern Munich going on to group D Eintracht Frankfurt I said they were probably the second best side of the group and they proved it they advanced to the knockout stages of the Champions League for the first time in the club's history of course the last time they made it far in the top European competition it was the European Cup they made it to the final against Real Madrid back in was it 1959 or 1960 and we all remember how that went because they were absolutely decimated by Real Madrid they didn't have Real Madrid this time they had Tottenham Hotspur, Sporting Club de Portugal and Marseille they got off to a very poor start. They lost 3-0 at home to Sporting, but they beat Marseille away from home. They got a draw against Tottenham Hotspur before losing the return leg in England. But wins against Eintracht Frankfurt and Sporting Club de Portugal away from home would seal their qualification. They did play really well in those final two games. Daichi Kamada and Randall Colomuani with goals in both of those games. So Eintracht Frankfurt doing really well under Oliver Glasner this season. We've seen that in the Bundesliga. We've seen it in Europe as well. And, well, we'll get on to who they face later on. But, you know, there is there is hope that they could maybe not repeat their performance in the Europa League, but definitely do well. Then again, depending on who you are, this might already be considered a success. Leipzig, meanwhile, in Group F, they also progressed in second place, and that was expected because they were in a group with Real Madrid, but also Shakhtar Donetsk and Celtic. They did actually get a win over Real Madrid in Germany. They won 3-2 on the penultimate match day of 
The group stage that secured their qualification into the knockout stage. So they also had a big 4-0 win away at Shakhtar Donetsk, which obviously was being played in Poland because of the ongoing <sighs> Vladimir Putin fascist drug fueled invasion, whatever you want to call it. They also won against Celtic. I believe they did the double over Celtic. And yeah, fairly plain sailing for Leipzig. Final team to mention in the Champions League, Group G, Borussia Dortmund again, the second best side in the group, finishing second. And second best, especially when you consider how bad of a start to the season Sevilla have had in La Liga. They have not looked good at all. So really, this should have been plain sailing for Borussia Dortmund. And it kind of was. They, they went through by four points. Starting off with a 3-0 win against Copenhagen. They beat Sevilla 4-1 away from home. Jude Bellingham in that game particularly being absolutely fantastic. And despite a draw in their last game away at Copenhagen, it was enough to secure qualification. Of course, they also got to see Erling Haaland who plays for Oil Money FC in England. But, you know, it wasn't a happy reunion because they lost both of those games. Again, despite the good performances of Jude Bellingham. So, just to quickly also talk about the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, because if I don't speed this up, we will be here for about the next five days. We'll start off with Group D, Union Berlin advancing after a rocky start to Group D, where they lost both their opening two games. They won four on the bounds to get ahead of Braga. They finished below Union Saint-Gilois of Belgium, but... They've made it through to the knockout stages of the European competition for the first time in club's history. A significant achievement for Urs Fischer and men. Freiburg went undefeated in their group, Group G, against Nantes, Kavabag and Olympiakos. So, well done to them. You could see it's also the fact of their Bundesliga performance at points, especially that 5-0 defeat to Bayern Munich. But for the most part, Christian Strike and company will be very happy about how their season in Europe has gone so far and of course it gets to continue not immediately because obviously first place in the group in the Europa League goes straight through the next round and into the round of 16. Final team to mention then is Köln and they'll be skipping the next round of the Europa Conference League and also every round of the Europa Conference League because they unfortunately didn't make it through their group containing Nice, Partizan Belgrade and Slovakko. In the end, they finished one point behind the top two, Nice and Partizan, finishing in third, of course, there is no fourth European league to go into. I'm sure UEFA is working on it just as another cash cow. So they unfortunately have to go home. They drew away at Nice. They won at home to Slovakko, but lost at home to Partizan, lost away to Partizan, won that delayed game against Slovakko, but needing a win on the final group stage game, they only were able to draw two all with Nice and therefore were knocked out. So let's talk about the knockout stages of European competition then because the draws for the Champions League and Europa League have already been made. The Champions League draw makes me want to scratch my eyeballs out. Leipzig are taking on Manchester City, so that's a great game for those of you who don't like authentic football. Eintracht Frankfurt are taking on Napoli in the only draw involving German teams I actually like. Borussia Dortmund are playing Chelsea. Great. And Bayern Munich have to take on PSG. So their reward for absolutely rolling their group is to take on PSG. Why couldn't we have played Porto or someone like that or Club Brugge? I would have been so much better. Moving on to the Europa League, then Freiburg automatically advance. They don't need to play in the next round. 
But Union Berlin will be taking on Ajax in what will be a very interesting game. I can guarantee it right. Or series of games. I can absolutely guarantee it right now. Bayer Leverkusen, of course, dropped down from Champions League. Will be taking on Monaco. And the juxtaposition between the cities of Leverkusen and Monaco has to be huge. Just couldn't be two more different cities if you tried, surely. Final thing to mention right before we go into the Bundesliga. Football Manager 2023 comes out today. One of the best football get well the best football game in the world and to celebrate the launch of the game me alex tamp brown and alex towels have both been on the sports blitz in the past I've decided to launch a new podcast called 1000 hours it is going to be all about the joys of football manager we've recorded a first episode which you can find on anchor.fm forward slash v sports place where we talk about our favorite teams to play as in the new game so go and give it a listen if you can and to more release the game, I also thought I'd talk about my favourite teams to play as in each German league on the new game. So from the Bundesliga, if you're looking for a Bundesliga team to start off with in FM23, I would recommend Union Berlin, of course, to see if you can replicate what they're doing in real life. Bayer Leverkusen, because obviously awful starts for season, have turned it around since I wrote down that note, which we'll be getting to later. And obviously to try and... Have them play at the level they should be playing at, which is the challenge Chabillant is facing in real life. And Werder Bremen as well, because they've been flying through this season so far. So, see if you can replicate that. See if you can get Nicholas Vulkrug to be the best striker in the world. Though that should be quite easy. In the Spite Bundesliga, Kaiserslautern trying to continue their progression back to where they should be in the Bundesliga. Greuther Firth, because they've been terrible to start off a new season, as have Nuremberg. I would also recommend trying to turn them around and get them back into the top flight. And in the Dritte Liga, Alversberg to replicate their great starts for season, as of GL to not replicate their dreadful starts for season. And Bayreuth, because they've been terrible as we expected, but seeing if you can continue to build them after their promotion last season. So after what must be the longest introduction in the history of, well, podcasts in general, let's go into the Bundesliga. Before we go into the games themselves, a few really interesting facts about the Bundesliga so far this season. Out of the top five leagues in Europe, the Bundesliga ranks first in goals per game, last in scoreless draws, and the best at getting young players to do well in terms of most goals by teenagers. Jamal Musiala of Bayern Munich has seven goals, which is more than all teenagers in the Premier League combined and doubled. So, a few of the reasons why we really like... The Bundesliga and German football, the attacking talent, the unpredictability, and to see all these young stars, a great league to be sure. I'm sure you've uh, realised that if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough. Anyway, let's get on to the main game from this weekend then, and easily the biggest shock, Bayer Leverkusen 5, Union Berlin 0. I, I didn't see this coming. I mean, if you're going to lose first place in the league, you might as well lose it in style, right? And that's exactly what Union did. Absolutely nothing happened in the first half. It was terrible. It was so underwhelming. I don't think any of us knew what was going to be coming next. The Bayerina had a really wet, slippery pitch due to the weather conditions, and clearly, Xabi Alonso's team talk at half-time was gotta go fast to his that's what he said to his players that's what they had to do and that's what they did do in the second half which was a very different affair in the 46th minute 
Bayer Leverkusen will take the lead. Robert Andrich against his former club with a nice little volley from a corner. He kept it professional against his former club. He didn't really celebrate. And at this point, it looked like it was going to be a really interesting, intriguing tactical affair between the two sides. But that all changed in the 56th minute. Leonard Grill is the current Union keeper deputising for Renault. And he's on loan from Bayer Leverkusen. And oh boy, did he commit one of the worst blunders I've ever seen. A million miles outside the box, he mishandled... I mean, he was close to the halfway line when he was his own box. He mishandled the ball, lost it to Musa Diaby, who ran through and scored. It was a really weak back pass. I can't remember who it was, actually who played in the ball back, but it was far too weak. I believe it might have been Diogo Leiter, but whoever it was, it was a terrible back pass, and then Grill made it a million times worse by immediately losing possession to Musa Diaby. And at that point, the floodgates really opened. That goal was not so much the straw that broke the camel's back as the straw that completely annihilated the camel. Just two minutes later, it was 3-0, and at this point, the... Speed of Bayer Leverkusen was killing Union Berlin and it was absolutely evident. And Mitchell Bakker with a great run just straight through the Union midfield and defence playing a perfect pass through to Musa Diaby for his second of the game. Ten minutes after that, it would be 4-0 Adam Hlozek getting his first goal in the Bundesliga with a fantastic flick. Definitely one of the best goals of the weekend. Go and look it up if you haven't seen it because it was wonderful. Mitchell Backer, after such a great game from him, arguably one of the match alongside Diaby, getting a deserved goal in the 76th minute to make it 5-0. It was absolutely shocking as a result. But credit to Bayer Leverkusen and Xabi Alonso for such an incredible performance. Alonso knew what would work the conditions played to their advantage and... He masterminded a great plan. He just killed Union with speed. They could not cope through pretty much the entire second half. And yeah, it was clear from, well, as soon as it was 3-0, that it was going to be quite the shocking score. For Union Berlin, I mean, oof, right? This was an absolute demolition from Bayer Leverkusen. And... I don't think it's a formula that can be repeated. I don't think this is like the, the sort of finding out moment where every team's going to deploy the same tactics against Union and it's going to work every single time. But this this wasn't good. And a lot to be worked on at Union by Urs Fischer and company. The Union fans obviously are in a unique position for them compared to their club's history of being able to complain about going from the best team in Germany to being the third best team in Germany based on league position. And, you know, I think a lot of them realise that because this is still a drastic overachievement for Union Berlin. And at 4-0, and I believe after the game as well, they were singing always look on the bright side of life. And let's do that because Union are third in the Bundesliga. They should not be even close to third in the Bundesliga. Heck, if they were third in the Spite, it would be an overachievement. But this was all about Bayer Leverkusen. And what could be the emergence of a new era under Xabi Alonso. Now they've got that really big, convincing win against one of the best sides in the league. Maybe this is what they need to get going. Werder Bremen 2, Schalke 1. By the way, last week I 
called one of the referees in Germany, Felix Birch. Turns out it's Felix Brook. I think it's how you say his name, because that's what Derek Ray said on commentary before this game, and it was the same referee. So, just wanted to correct that. My pronunciation is always going to be off, especially if I've only read a person's name as opposed to having heard it. So, I'm trying to pay more attention to how German commentators or people who commentate in Germany pronounce the names and trying to commit that to memory, even though it's hard to commit that to memory sometimes. Anyway, let's talk about this game instead. Werder Bremen and Schalke, the two promoted sides from this fight to Bundesliga last year, who have had two very different campaigns so far, and those differences were mirrored in this game, a good win for Werder Bremen. They opened the scoring in the 30th minute, the number of times I've complimented backheel assists this season. It must be in the hundreds by now. And it was another backheel assist this time, which was so fantastic. Mitchell Weiser setting up, well, who else but Niklas Fulkrug, who has been absolutely sensational this year. I don't need to keep saying this, but I am going to keep saying it because it is still absolutely fantastic and I love him and I want to point it out every single time. Fulkrug after the game said, you know, I didn't need to do much of that. It was all Mitchell Weiser. And that was true, but also... Nicholas Fulkrug is just brilliant. His strike partner would make it 2-0 in the 76th minute. Marvin Dush, a great ball through by Mitchell Weiser, who was easily the man of the match in this game. And Dush just perfectly chipping it over the keeper. Absolutely fantastic. You know, he's been up and down, hot and cold so far this season. But this definitely was his best moment of the season so far. Really good finish. Schalke had, had quite a few chances. And, you know, if they had any semblance of a striker, then they probably would have been in this game a lot faster. But they did get a goal back in the 89th minute. Dominic Drexler getting one for Schalke. That would be the final goal of the game, though, as Werder Bremen ran out 2-1 winner. So it continues the Werder Bremen hype train. They've been absolutely sensational. They're only one point behind the European places at the moment, which is absolutely incredible for Ole Werner and company. For Schalke, meanwhile, they're having a very different experience of their return to the Bundesliga. Seven straight losses now in all competitions. And like I said last week, a lot of work for Thomas Rice to do. They are starting to get marooned at the bottom of the Bundesliga table. Well, them and Bochum are starting to get marooned at the bottom of the Bundesliga table. But we'll talk about Bochum in a bit. Or, do you know what? Let's talk about them now because I've just looked at the running order and they're next. Borussia Dortmund 3, Bochum 0. Dortmund had this game wrapped up very fast. They got off to a very fast start as well. You saw from Makoko scoring in the 8th minute. He dispossessed a defender, ran towards the edge of the box and then smashed it towards the top of the net, crashing off the bar and in absolutely fantastic. With that goal, he became the youngest player to score 10 goals in the Bundesliga. Absolutely incredible achievement for the young striker has been really good when he's been playing for Borussia Dortmund so far this season. 2-0 in the 12th minute. Daniel Marlin brought down in the box. A clear penalty scored by Giovanna. And then just before the half-time break in the 47th minute of the first half. Borussia Dortmund would make it 3-0. And another one for the great goalkeeper blooper collection. We've talked about grills earlier. We'll talk about Robin Zentner later on. By the way, the five-year anniversary of that. Zentner missing the ball and trying to play it out. And the I'm not laughing at him. Definitely not moment he had against Bushy Munchengladbach. But he had another one this week. And there were quite a few in the Spider Bundesliga as well. 
But yeah, I don't know why he was as far out of his box as he was. He was pretty much halfway between his box and the halfway line. Makoko was able to take advantage of that, lobbing Riemann for a perfect finish to the first half. And to be honest, the second half had few chances. Dortmund had already wrapped up the win. It was another dominant Borussia Dortmund win. A lot of credit to them. For Boca, meanwhile, it's their seventh straight away defeat. And alongside Schalke, they are marooned at the bottom of the Bundesliga table. Hertha Berlin 2, Bayern Munich 3. Bayern Munich go back to the top of the Bundesliga because we're not allowed fun. They opened the scoring in the 12th minute, a really neat finish from Jamal Musiala after he had been set up well by Sadio Mane. And then Bayern got two goals in the space of a minute in the 37th and 38th minutes. Both of them coming from Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting. Both he responded best to a deflection. Absolutely incredible form for Choupo-Moting. I feel like I'm saying this every week. Well, because I am saying it every week, he has now scored in seven consecutive games across all competitions for Bayern Munich. He is absolutely incredible. And of course, at 3-0, it looked like game over. But just two minutes later, Dodi Lukabakio would score a great volley from across. He has definitely been one of Hertha Berlin's best players this season. And before the half was over, it was 3-2. There was definite tugging of Davis Alka's shirt from Benjamin Pavard, the referee... Having looked at VAR, decided to give a penalty. I agreed with him. And Salka would step up after being fouled to convert the penalty to make it 3-2. And the next time the ball went in the back of the net in the second half, it was Hertha Berlin who had put the ball in to their own net. Augustine Rogel putting it in after some utter chaos. It was manic. It was madness. It was disallowed for offside in the build-up. To be honest... I was surprised there wasn't like about 30 infringements considering what happened. It was kind of like one of those stereotypical lower league scraps. Like, you know, where the ball goes into the box. Maybe the conditions aren't great that day, so it just ends up in a complete melee. It's kind of like that. Anyway, after that, Bayern started to take control of the game. They grinded out a win. Manuel Neuer was back in this game, returning from injury. And he had a really good play outside the box late on in the game. It would have been a really good goal-scoring situation, but he, he took control of the ball and took it back into his own box and picked it up, and that was the end of that. And that was the end of Hertha's chances, Bayern winning, getting just about a deserved win and going back to the top of the Bundesliga. As a result, Freiburg 2, Köln 0. Freiburg going second in the table after a good performance at home to Köln. The goals coming from Wu Yong Jong and Mikhail Gregorich. It's been a really good season for them so far. Don't really say that. They're second in the league. And for Köln, now that they've got Europe out of the way, maybe they can focus more on the league. Maybe they were distracted. Or maybe this is what we should be expecting from Stefan Baumgart and his side, even though he is just perfect. <laughs> anyway, Augsburg 1, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. Maybe it was their big European adventure, and the joys of getting through in midweek to the knockout stage of the Champions League. But at the start of this game, Eintracht Frankfurt really did look tuckered out from everything they'd been doing. Because 30 seconds into the game, they were 1-0 down. Merjim Berisher slotting into the bottom corner, really benefiting from bad defending. 
But Frankfurt did actually start to wake up and start to put some energy into the game. 13 minutes in, they were level. Sebastian Roder perfectly getting onto the end of a crowned cross. And then in the second half, Frankfurt would take the lead and win the game. Ansgar Nauf with a great first time hit. Bar that opening minute of the game, Eintracht Frankfurt definitely were better. I don't know if I'd say they were the better side. It felt like a very even game. Probably just about the better side, and they did therefore deserve all three points. Borussia Mönchengladbach 3, Stuttgart 1. A really good game on the Friday night football, and a game that sees Borussia Mönchengladbach end a run of three straight losses in all competitions. They opened the scoring in the fourth minute. A good finish from Jonas Hoffman, sort of the ball flying through the air, and he was able to get onto it, volleying it into the back of the net from close range. He would then be instrumental in the second goal in the 25th minute, a really good pass through to Marcus Turam for one of the easiest chances he's converted this season. Absolutely fantastic play by both of them. But before the half was over, Stuttgart would make it 2-1, a really good piece of play from Thiago Tomas, to find space in the box and be able to slot into the bottom corner. To be honest, in the second half, Stuttgart had so many good chances to make it to all. They really should have converted one of them. But by the time the fourth goal went in, it was for Borussia Mönchengladbach in the 94th minute. Patrick Herrmann on the counter-attack, slotting into the bottom corner. Stuttgart will be kicking themselves for not getting something out of this game, but this was a much-needed win for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mainz nil, Wolfsburg 3. Mainz absolutely dominated the start of this game and really should have had one or two goals in the opening exchanges in the opening half hour. But when the first goal came, it was for Wolfsburg and it was against the run of play. Patrick Wimmer with a spinning half volley after a cross. A really good finish from him. And then Wolfsburg would have to wait until the second half for their second goal. But when it came, oh boy, was it weird. Uh, Maxi Arnold free kick. And depending on the angle you look at it from, either... Robin Zentner completely misjudged the flight path of the ball and made a horrific blunder, allowing it to just fall into the middle of the net. Or the ball just went really insane, started swerving and moving around in all sorts of weird and unpredictable directions. Of course, Max Arnold would like to say that it was, you know, his free kick being so fantastically well hit and unpredictable that that put Zentner off. And I'm pretty sure Robin Zentner would also like to say that. Again, it really depends on what angle you look at, because when I looked at it from the angle behind Arnold, I was like, wow, that's really unimpressive. Or from, I should say, the standard broadcast angle, it looked really unimpressive. But then when you look at it from behind Zentner's goal, it's like really strange. <laughs> it's just really well hit free kick. Credit to Maxi Arnold. Riedel Baku would make it 3-0 in the 84th minute, finishing off a counter-attack. The key word for Wolfsburg was clinical. When they had their chances, they took them. Mines only really had that opening half hour of dominance. And after that, they didn't really do anything. They didn't take their chances during that half hour. They didn't create any after it. Final game, Hoffenheim 1, Leipzig 3. The game that really, you know, screams out authenticity. Football as it's meant to be and all that. It might not be fun watching Hoffenheim or Leipzig as clubs, but it is fun watching Christopher Nkunku. He opened the scoring in the 17th minute. A really good free kick. Hoffenheim would equalise in the 50th minute. Jorginho Rutter with a well-placed header. 
Granted, he was wide open in the box, but that shouldn't take away from his goal. Leipzig then scored to make it 2-1 in the 57th minute, and at this point, I probably don't need to tell you who scored. Yes, it was Christopher Nkunku again, wide open in the box, responding best to a deflection. Watching Leipzig might not be fun, but watching Christopher Nkunku most certainly is. Anyway, 12 minutes after that, Leipzig would put the game beyond all doubt. Danny Omo with a great hit into the top corner of the defending. Could have been better, but again, kind of like with the route ahead, don't take anything away from Omo. Anyway, with all that, let's have a look at the Bundesliga table. Bayern Munich once again are back to the top of the Bundesliga. 28 points from 13 games. To be honest, their fans deserve it, even if it's not fun for the rest of us. Freiburg are second. And by the way, that's just because of the World Cup banners and the being awesome part. But anyway, Freiburg are second, 27 points from 13 games. Union third on 26, and Borussia Dortmund fourth on 25. And Frankfurt fifth on 23, Leipzig sixth on 22, and Werder Bremen seventh on 21. At the wrong end of the table, it's Schalke, who are at the bottom, six points on 13 games, one point behind Bochum, who are on seven, then a four-point leap up to Stuttgart in 16th, 11 points, the same number that Hertha Berlin have in 15th. Okay, moving on to the Spider Bundesliga then, and let's start off with the Sport Ein Saturday night game. Armenia Bielefeld 2, Kaiserslautern 3. This was what I'm now calling the 1,000 hours game, because if you listen to 1,000 hours, you'll know that we were watching this, or at least I was watching this, whilst we were recording and it was an absolutely fascinating game that offered even more than the final score would suggest. Bielefeld were definitely the better side in the first half. They would enter the halftime break tied 0-0 but they would not enter the halftime break with the same number of men as Kai Slouten would. They would be a man down. Brian Lasmay was sent off just before the break for a high boot. It was a second yellow card, to be honest. It could have easily been a red card by itself. I don't know what Daniel Scherning was complaining about because at the halftime break, he went up to the referee. He was having a right go and was booked for his troubles. But like I said, I thought it was a clear second yellow at the very least. After the half, Kaiserslautern would come out as the best side and in the space of three minutes, they would score two. Philip Clement and Avanapoku with two neat finishes from just outside the box, and that made it 2-0 to Kaiserslautern. At that point, with Arminia Bielefeld down to 10 men, and with Kaiserslautern having a 2-0 lead, it looked like game over. But Arminia Bielefeld actually kept playing really well, and just three minutes later, Robin Hack would make it 2-1. It was Okagawa who did all the hard work for that goal, but Robin Hack would then score in the 74th minute, from the penalty spot to make it 2 all, and at that point, Bielefeld were looking really, really impressive, and were more likely to actually get a winner, probably through Robin Hack, because he has been absolutely incredible through this young Spider Bundesliga season, but it seems like this year, the football gods have decided that Bielefeld will not be allowed to be happy at all. Daniel Hanslick scoring at the back post to make it 3-2 in the 88th minute for Kaiserslautern, and that must have been absolutely crushing because this is a weird thing. Through the entire game, Bielefeld were definitely the better side, especially when you consider that they were down to 10 men for the entire second half. They deserved 
to win this game. They definitely deserved at least a point out of this game, and yet they walked away with nothing. So that must be absolutely crushing for Daniel Scherning and company. We talk about the importance of motivation in football and of morale, and this is just another game that is going to crush the morale of the Armenia Bielefeld players. It was one of their best performances of the season, definitely in the top three, and yet it meant absolutely nothing. For Kaiserslautern, it was another win, not one they particularly deserved, but one that they can take joy from at least. Darmstadt won Hanover nil. The league leaders have now seen their undefeated streak in all competitions go up to 16 games and it was deserved win two. A great goal for Darmstadt was disallowed, I believe, after about 20 minutes of an offside in the build-up. But even with that, they had easily been the better side for the opening third. The game will shift even more in their favour on the 30th minute mark when a penalty was given for a blatant deliberate handball in the six-yard box. That would lead to Hanover's Phil Neumann getting sent off. That wasn't where their only goal of the game came from, though, because Tobias Kemper's penalty was comfortably saved by Von Robert Zeeler. It would take until the 63rd minute for Darmstadt to finally take the lead. Marvin Mellon with a fantastic hit from outside the box, getting through quite a few bodies to get into the left-hand side of the goal. It was all Darmstadt after that as well. Hanover didn't really pose a real threat through most of this game. But even though they didn't score again for the rest of the match, Darmstadt had done enough. They continue to be the best side in the spite of Bundesliga so far this season. Heidenheim 3, Paderborn 0. Considering how good Paderborn have been so far this season, this was absolutely terrible from them. It was shocking how little of a contest this was. They've now not won in their last three games, losing their last two. And to be honest, if they continue playing like this, they're not going to win for a very long time. Jan Nicholas Bester would make it 1-0 in the 35th minute with good work to get through the Paderborn defence before slotting in. After that, there could have been the funniest own goal of all time. Paderborn's Hunemeyer with a volley from 30 yards out that nearly went into his own net. The keeper struggled to deal with it, but luckily for them, that's not where Heidenheim's goals would come from. It was 2-0 in the 76th minute. Dennis Tamala volleying in at the back post. And then in the 91st minute, Jan-Nicholas Bester would get his second point of the icing on the cake with another neat finish on the counter-attack. Paderborn didn't have a single shot on target, or at least Paderborn didn't have a shot on target in the net they were meant to be attacking. They did have a shot on target towards their own net, but that's not how football works. And to be honest, I might as well have not shown up. Considering the, you know... Fuel crisis were going through at the moment. It would have been a lot better if they'd just not bothered. It would have saved a lot of fuel. It would have been really kind of them. Heidenheim looking really good this year again. We already know this, but they are going to be pushing at the right end of the table. And with this result, they leapfrog Paderborn into third place. The promotion playoff place, which they have struggled with in the past. Karlsruhe won Holstein Kiel for... I mentioned that there was the chance for a funny own goal in the Heidenheim-Paderborn game. The funniest own goal of the year probably so far, did come in this game between Karlsruhe and Holstein Kiel. It was similar to Robert Andrich's own goal for Union against Frankfurt a few years ago, if you remember that. Tim Breithaupt trying to play a pass back to his keeper, you know, to sort of pass it without looking. But the keeper, Marius Gersbeck, was out of position and the ball just harmlessly rolled into the back of the net. I mean, honestly, if you haven't seen the goal yet, go and look it up because it was absolutely hilarious. 
Wholesale kill would make it 2-0 in the 30th minute. There should have been much better defending. But Kwasi Okere Wright, I think is how you say his name. Wright, I think. Judging by what they said on the highlights package I watched, but I'm probably wrong. Anyway, Fabian Reese would then make it 3-0 in the second half of a neat finish from the edge of the box. Karlsruhe would pull one back through Simone Rapp in the 72nd minute. Marvin Schultz, the kill defender, being dispossessed for an easy tap-in for Rapp. But in added time, Holstein Kiel would score their fourth. And it was right again. Right? Uh, I think that's how you say his name. And that means it's four straight losses for Karlsruhe, who are looking really good, uh, you know, about four games ago. Looking like they could actually challenge at the top of the league. Now they've sort of fallen back down to where we would expect in 10th place. Holstein Kiel moving in the right direction, 8th place, and four points behind Heidenheim in 3rd. Hamburger 3, Jan Regensburg 1. Jan Regensburg would open the scoring in the 7th minute. Really good assist from Joshua Meads setting up Khan Kaliskana. But that was really where the fun stopped for Jan Regensburg. Five minutes later, Hamburger would make it one all. A really good curling shot by Mario Vuskovic from way outside the box. Definitely one of the better goals of this weekend. Not the goal of the weekend in the Spice Bundesliga. We'll go on to that later on. But it was definitely really good. And after that, it always felt like Hamburger were going to get the next goal. Especially when they got a penalty at the beginning of the second half. Alvedi bringing down Sonny Kittel. But Robert Glatzel's penalty was saved by Forsten Kirchbaum. Which, such a fun name. The uh, Jan Regensburg keeper making an impressive save. To be honest, this actually wasn't a bad penalty from Glatzel. Like, we talk about penalties where the penalty taker should have done a lot more. This was actually fairly well placed. It was a decent effort. It would have gone in most times, but Kirschbaum just picked the right direction and was able to make a really impressive save. Anyway, there's only so much Forsten Kirschbaum can do, though. His resistance would end in the 79th minute. Ransford Jeboa Koningsdorfer getting a deserved goal. Jan Regensburg did have an absolutely fantastic chance to level the scores after that. Daniel Hoyer-Fernandez, who played fairly well in this game, was found in absolute no-man's land at one point, outside the box, with Jan Regensburg having the ball. All they had to do was chip it over the, the defenders who were further back than Hoyer-Fernandez was, but they, they couldn't. It was headed away by the hamburger defense and as soon as that happened you knew that there was absolutely no chance Dan Regensburg would come back into this game Robert Glatzel would add the icing to the cake getting a lucky deflection in added time to put HSV 3-1 up an absolutely deserved win hamburger were clearly the better side Nuremberg 1 Magdeburg 2 so you know I've said this before, at the start of the year, it's hard to make real grandiose statements about sides, even if they're overperforming or underperforming compared to expectations. I think, well, coming up to the World Cup break, we can now say it, Nuremberg are really bad. They're just terrible. Or as Charles Barkley would say, terrible. <laughs> but they, they have been truly shocking to start off the season. And again, in this game... They just weren't good. They were easily outmatched by Magdeburg. A really strong travelling contingent from Magdeburg. And they were treated to a good performance by their side. It became 1-0 in the 58th minute. Cristiano Puccini with a really good volley inside a crowded box. Magdeburg would also get the next goal of the game. But they did 
put it in their own net. And this was another one of those comedy own goals. A really strong back pass from Andreas Müller was mishit by Dominic Ryman into his own net. It would normally be the funniest own goal of the weekend if it wasn't for what happened in the Karlsruhe game, which we've already mentioned. Anyway, it didn't matter in the end because Magdeburg would get all three points through the penalty spot, Cristiano Puccini getting his second of the game. Yeah, Magdeburg easily the better side. Nuremberg only scored because of a freak own goal. Despite the hiring of Marcus Weinseel, which I do think will pay dividends in the long run, Nuremberg are just bad and they are going to be in for a relegation battle for the rest of the season. This is not a side who are, you know, underperforming compared to their performances. They've just genuinely been that bad. Anyway, talk about a side who are underperforming compared to... You know, at least the chances they've been creating. Dusseldorf won St. Pauli nil. Two fantastic fan bases. One not so fantastic game because honestly, it just. I don't say this as a St. Pauli fan, by the way. It was just not a very good game. It was only split by a moment of genius from Rowan Hennings. Absolutely fantastic. A perfectly placed ball into the bottom corner from like. Well, outside of the very edge of the box. So he was dealing with a, a kind of difficult angle. He had a defender all over him. And yet he was still able to perfectly place the ball into the bottom corner. Go and look it up because it was a really good goal. The only other notable moment of the game. A red card for St. Pauli in the second half. The team Vasiligi getting sent off for a headbutt. You just, especially in the days of VAR, you cannot put your head against an opponent in the way Vasiligi did. It was absolutely stupid. Granted, tad bit overdramatic from David Koronaki, who could have won an Oscar for his performance because it did not hurt that much. A bullet would barely hurt as much as he as he made it look. But don't get me wrong, it definitely was still a red card for a headbutt, even if Koronaki, eh, he was very dramatic. St. Pauli probably would have scored in this game if they had a striker as good as Rowan Hennings. They do not. And it was an even game, but it was split by one great moment from Rowan Hennings. A good win for Fortuna. Dusseldorf, Eintracht, Braunschweig, nil, Greuther Firth won. Before we go into the game, our condolences go out to the Braunschweig fan who passed away during this game. As reported by Kicker. Braunschweig's undefeated run of eight games comes to an end after a drab affair. Say by one moment of brilliance from Greuther Armando Sieb with a bicycle kick into the top corner. Go and look it up. It was definitely the best goal of the weekend in these fight. Bundesliga final game to mention then. Hansa Rostock nil, Sandhausen won. Hansa have fired their head coach, which was a bit weird because they're sort of like doing meh. I didn't write down his name, and I'll be honest, I can't be bothered to look it up. David Kinsombi with the only goal of the game. There might have only been 10 Sandhausen fans, which was a bit of a surprise, but at least they saw a winning performance. Anyway, we'll wrap up then with the Fighter Bundesliga table. Darmstadt still lead the way, 32 points from 15 games, one point ahead of Hamburger in second place. Heidenheim on 27 points are in third, having leapfrogged Paderborn in fourth on 26. The same number of points Fortuna Dusseldorf have in fifth. At the wrong end of the table, it's Armini Bielefeld who are bottom of the league, 11 points from 15 games. And a bit of a gap now to Nuremberg on 15 points in 17th. St. Pauli rounding up the relegation places in 16th place, also on 15 points. Sandhausen and Greuther Firth 
both on 16 points in 15th and 14th from Venn, Magdeburg, Hansa Vostok, Eintracht, Braunschweig and Karlsruhe all on 17 points. Nowhere near out of the woods yet. And Jan Regensburg in 9th place on 18 points, only 3 points away from the relegation places. The Spider Bundesliga as tight as always. Okay, it's now time for our usual look at the Dritterliga and there is a gap starting to form at the top of the table. Alversberg with a 3-1 win against Dortmund Zwei at the weekend and their gap to second place is now 6 points because 1860 Munich lost their second game in a row, 1-0 defeat at home to Saarbrücken. Freiburg Schwei are still in third place after a one-all draw against Dinamo Dresden, even though it means absolutely nothing to them. They then, meanwhile, are in fourth, one point behind Freiburg Schwei and two points behind 1860 Munich after a 3-0 win away at Meppen. Saarbrücken also on the same number of points, as mentioned, they beat 1860 Munich. At the wrong end of the table, Ejibajiao now drop to bottom of the league. It's their fourth straight game without a win after a 3-0 defeat against Victoria Köln. So they really are this year's Würzburger kickers. Meppen, meanwhile, also on an awful run. Their 3-0 defeat at home to Vehen is their 11th straight game without a win. By Roy, four points in their last two games, which is... Really good form for them, a one-all draw away at Duisburg. Svakau, meanwhile, the other side of relegation places, who won this weekend 4-3 at home to Osnabrück. Oldenburg are also on a bad run of form, just outside of the relegation places. It's now five straight defeats for them after a 5-3 defeat at home to Essen. So, Au on 11 points, Meppen on 12, Bayreuth on 13, Zwakau on 15, Oldenburg on 15, and then Osnabrück and Hallescher on 16 points each. Okay, time to leave you once again with the usual games of the, well, normally weekend, but now it is games of the midweek, because obviously we're having an English Vocker in the... German game this weekend. I was going to say in the Bundesliga, but actually it is the Bundesliga, the Spider and the Dritter all having an English Vocker ahead of the World Cup. So here are my favourite games from the midweek. And as per usual, all times are in Central European time. If you want the time in the UK, then knock off one hour. And I'm going to go for the early kickoff on Tuesday in the Bundesliga Wolfsburg against Borussia Dortmund. As mentioned, Wolfsburg have been picking up form under Niko Kovac. And we know Dortmund can sometimes have a hard time against good opponents. They've been getting in convincing wins recently, but it would be really comforting if they could get a convincing win against a real in-form side. That is on Tuesday. It is a 6.30pm kickoff. I should say today because I'm actually publishing this on Tuesday morning. My Spiter Bundesliga game is going to be Hanover against Fortuna Dusseldorf. 6th versus 5th in the league. Dusseldorf on a really good run of form. They've won their last three straight. Hanover have had good form, but obviously they lost this weekend rather convincingly, at least on the pitch, to Darmstadt. But two sides were both within three points of third place Heidenheim. It is also a 6.30 kickoff late today. Finally, in the Dritte League, I'm going to go for Freiburg Schwei against 1860 Munich. Second against third in the league, 1860 have lost their last two games on the bounce and need a bounce back win if they want to keep up with Alversburg. 
That is a Wednesday 7 o'clock kickoff. Anyway, that's all the time we have on this episode of Going Deutsch. Thank you for listening. Remember, the Thousand Hours podcast is now out. You can listen to it if you're a fan of Football Manager. And best of luck to you if you are starting a new adventure in the world of German football on FM and you want to end Bayern's hold on the title and take it for yourself. And best of luck if you're managing in another league as well. I'll be back on the website in midweek writing about the English Rocker and back here on the podcast next week to talk about even more from the wonderful world of German football I hope that you'll join me then but for the time being I've been Alex Woodward and until we meet again Auf Wiedersehen